if i ask you flu jab would you go to your gp or would you go to would you even know that you can go to pharmacy no my pharmacy i basically go for some very basic advice and to pick up prescriptions and that's pretty much it absolutely there are plenty of consultations and clinical services a pharmacist and your local pharmacy can provide without you waiting on long queues and getting appointments waiting to get appointments with your gp on today's show, we're talking to Santosh Sahu, who's built a platform called Sharak, aiming to make sure that independent pharmacies can continue to offer the services that their communities are looking for. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you a bit of tech news. Joining me today, we are welcoming back Akish. How are you this morning? Um, this afternoon, rather. It's yeah, four o'clock. Right? It's four o'clock, mate. It's uh, almost. Towards, it's almost towards the end of the day. It's, it's morning it's somewhere. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm very um, well, mate. Very well. Today's guest, Santosh, um, is a character. He's he's a he's a great lad. But um, I just feel the need to tell you about one of the first times that I kind of spent any real quality time with him uh at the beginning of the interview you'll hear that we mentioned lisbon and that i i kind of spent some time with him out in in, in lisbon a few years ago at web summit right mm-hmm. and the first episode that we recorded with him and patrick his colleague at the time ceo of uh, of of last mile was at at lisbon the yep. the morning after an evening i'd spent with them in an irish pub uh in the party district of, of lisbon Right. where there was quite a few pints of Guinness sunk. And uh, it hadn't occurred to me. Well, I, basically, I joined them halfway through the evening when they'd had quite a few pints of Guinness. And uh, yeah, they just walked out. They were, they'd had a few drinks. They just walked out without paying. <laughs> <laughs> and left me there. Did you, did you have to pick up the, uh, did you have to pick up the tab? No, to be honest, I didn't realise they hadn't paid, so I also walked out. So I feel really quite bad because <laughs> absolute innocence and stupidity, yeah. having quite a few free pints of Guinness. I think, to be fair, I mentioned this to Santosh the next day, and I'm pretty sure he went back and settled up, which which speaks volumes. He was a good lad. He could have just yeah. got away with that. that that's, but, why, that's why there was a little giggle when you mentioned Lisbon and... You know, kind of. I think he mentioned something, doesn't he? Um, but we'll, we'll we'll let we'll let everyone hear it. Uh, he alludes to an evening in in yeah. and I think so. He's he's a lovely, gregarious, kind-hearted fella. So uh, it's fun to have him back on the show, and it's fun to hear him uh, describe his new venture, which. Uh, as you're about to find out, uh, is not only pertinent and relevant right now, but I think I think is really kind of has a community focus to it. So there's a lot there uh, to like. Have a listen to the interview, and myself and Akish will come back with some some news and some commentary on it afterwards. So today I'm talking to Santosh Sahu. Santosh, you are someone that we've had on the podcast before. In fact, I think I interviewed you uh, through your on the dot days when you when we were out in Lisbon. If I think if I think back, it was it was Lisbon a couple of years ago. You were on the on the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. It was Lisbon Web Summit and uh, after a fun evening. <laughs> Slightly different surroundings now, unfortunately. <laughs> the Web Summit is uh, starting this year as well. So let's see. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I don't know, I think it might come a bit soon to 
to have 80,000 people descend on a city on the back of the of the oh, crisis yeah. but we'll see fingers crossed stuff stuff begins to uh, improve so look we're not we're not here to talk about your previous ventures you've got something new um you've got a company called Charak that you are you are just about to launch so this is a, a, an exciting moment to be able to talk to you at absolutely i am uh, it's a, it's we started um, during the pandemic the company was literally registered a few days before the lockdown began and everything happened during the lockdown. And um, thanks to my team and colleagues and friends and family, and it's incredible how we're able to build a business, solve a problem, and get customers, and go live. It's unbelievable. You can do a lot of things during pandemic. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, look, what is the problem and what is the business trying to trying to solve? So, did uh, if if I ask you, do you really know what all the services your local pharmacy provides? Uh, for example, if I ask you, flu jab, would you go to your GP or would you go to? Would you even know that you can go to pharmacy? No. So I, I would I would automatically assume any kind of jab. I would go to my GP, my pharmacy. I basically go for some very basic advice and to pick up prescriptions, and that's pretty much it. Absolutely. There are plenty of consultations and clinical services a pharmacist and your local pharmacy can provide without you waiting on long queues and getting appointments, waiting to get appointments with your GP. So we are here to make local communities access GPs, access pharmacy services easily, digitally, through appointment booking and video consultations and help pharmacies increase revenues through private consultations. So you are working with independent pharmacies, right? You're, you're basically looking at the market and you're looking at chains and groups and how they're offering convenient ways of interacting with their patients and offering a, a solution or a platform that an independent pharmacy can go, hang on a minute, now we can compete. Because I suppose if you are a privately owned independent pharmacy, it's quite difficult to compete with, say, Boots. Absolutely, absolutely. So there's a lot of investment gone, and Amazon bought a company called PillPack in US, and the SoftBank invested in a business called Alto and Capsule. There's a lot of innovation happening in digital pharmacy space, and there's a lot of innovation happening in telemedicine and um, telemedicine and um, uh, GP video calls. But in between these two trends, big pharmacy chains like Boots, Wells, Lloyds, they have the financial power and resources to invest in digital mediums. And out of 12, 13,000 independent pharmacies in UK, still dominant 8,000 of them are independents who don't have the financial resources to compete. So they are losing patients to, to these digital pharmacies. So suddenly now, with, with our platform, these 8,000 pharmacies can compete. And in our view, they can provide superior functionality and service compared to any big chains. Because of so, their relationship locally with the, with the local communities. I can totally see how the platform allows them to have the scale to kind of club together, to, to, to work with you, to have the scale to compete with the larger chains. How does it help people understand what services 
they can access through a pharmacy? Because I suppose there's still that education discoverability piece, regardless of, of how good the platform is, right? Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, we are not uh, a marketplace. We are not a B two C platform. We are a B two B two C platform. So we are our customers are pharmacies. Our we are building world's most pharmacy centric SaaS technology platform. So mm-hmm. we are we work with local community pharmacies to educate their customers to know that, guys, you don't need to come to the pharmacy for these these services. Book an appointment, have a video call. And also we will educate local pharmacies to use marketing mediums like Facebook, Instagram, Instagram and, uh, and, and, and make sure that we work with them to ensure those services are available. And also in our roadmap, we are looking at bringing independent prescribers make them available through digital medium. So if you go to a pharmacy, you are often need to stand in a queue because the pharmacist is busy doing 201 things in the pharmacy. But if you can provide a resource saying weekly 30 hours, that resource is available to that pharmacy to, to do consultations, suddenly those patients who are standing in the queue no need to stand because they can get an appointment and... Um, book and make those consultations happen without waiting in queues and waiting in phone calls. We joked slightly at the beginning that that you can start a business in a pandemic, but I suppose this idea obviously has been around far longer than the pandemic, but the pandemic must actually be really careful around my choice of words here because because obviously it's it's a very challenging time for a lot of businesses but this must have strengthened the case behind doing this because the opportunity to get access to those services and consultative services without the need necessarily to travel and to put yourself at risk and to worry about social distancing must be something that the pharmacies see as a real as a real plus as well as potential customers absolutely absolutely um yes i it's it's a condolences to all the families and people who lost their friends and uh, colleagues in uh, due to this uh, pandemic but um, yes there is an increased need and adoption and psychology changed for the customers to use digital mediums why would i bother standing in a queue or make a phone call and uh, it's keep ringing or i'm hanged on Uh, it's all about even my 86 year old neighbor and I speak to her regularly and she uses an iPad to talk to her family and friends and including pharmacy because she has to get her prescriptions and she has to talk to somebody at the pharmacy and she uses Zoom call. But the problem, these Zoom call and Google Hangout and these video streams, they are separate to your pharmacy processes. Whereas Sharad trying to bring the pharmacy processes aligned with a video call so that the pharmacist need no need to go and use 20 different technologies. Out of interest, so the, the, the initial pilot is with 11 pharmacies, right? But yeah. are you talking to NH, NHS providers, trusts, uh, GPs to try and position the service? And if people are coming into their GP so you know they're, they're, to see their gp about some of the consultants sorry sorry some of the services that can be provided via consultation on the platform that they are positioning it with people and saying look you don't have to come do this and there's this there's this platform called sharak and your local pharmacy might might actually be uh able to yeah uh, we are, we are uh, it is certainly possible but we are 
primarily focused on pharmacies educating the patients rather than GP practices educating the because there's a lot of startups I don't want to name, um, but there's plenty of investment gone to make GP practices use video con uh, video consultations. There were 430 million visits to pharmacy versus 350 million visits to GPs last year, according to NHS. And it's only going to grow more and more because NHS created a framework called uh, cons um, Community Pharmacy Consultation Services and allocated $2.5 so that actively GPs educate the people to go and use pharmacies for their uh, consultations. So that 430 million visits only going one way. It's going high and high, and uh, patients must be able to access pharmacies through digital mediums, and we are the solution for it. Look, so what's quite interesting, looking at kind of the the, the business mission and, and roadmap, um, you've got 11 pharmacies agreed to trialing the platform at the moment. Between August and March of next year, you hope to have 100 pharmacies on the platform. Between August, between August and March, the, yeah, the first financial year of our operations, yeah. Exactly. So, so as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur and a founder, Santosh, how do you go about that? How do you go about, you know, you live in Surrey, uh, you've, got a pharma, you've got pharmacies in Scotland who have signed up for the trial. How do you go about talking to them and getting them enthused and getting them to actually use this system? Getting time from pharmacists and pharmacy owners is really difficult uh, time. But uh, so far, touch wood, uh, we were approached through family and friends and, uh, and even a um, lot of uh, customers who heard about what we are trying to do, they reached out to us. Amazing. They're reaching out to us, saying they're talking about doing digital, Santos. Uh, is Charak going to do digital? And often they don't know what digital means. For many pharmacies, digital is just having a website. Mm -hmm. um, but for us to be able to receive those phone calls and help educate those pharmacies that digital means making your services accessible without people come to your pharmacy. That is digital. For that, you don't need to have a website. You can use our app. You can market your solutions through Facebook and Zoom, um, various, various channels. So with investment, we are planning to recruit salespeople next month. We are uh, getting partnerships in place with um, buying groups, pharmacy buying groups. And we are working with the marketing agencies who build websites for the pharmacies. And um, we already have a pipeline about 700 pharmacies to um, cultivate. So I don't need to go and um, actively pursue any further. Uh, if I can convert 100 out of that 700 active conversations we are having today, I think we will achieve our, our first year goals. So I suppose the other interesting piece around this is that whilst there are, what, 20 million appointments made through pharmacies every single year at the moment, and you're trying to shift that to a digital platform and it makes sense how, how can you work with pharmacies to make sure that they because you know you, you're going to be talking about predominantly if we're being straightforward older members of the population because they are more likely to have greater need to go to the pharmacy on a regular basis so older members of the population who might not be necessarily tech savvy who might and, and whilst I, I imagine during the pandemic they've got used to using zoom and whatever else for family conversations but this might still be a leap for them to get their head around the tech. And you're not able there to hold all of those customers' hands. You're a, you're a B2B to C uh, platform, as you said. Yeah. So how can you provide the support to the independent pharmacies to make sure that they can get their customers online, they can retain their customers, and the platform really does add that. It's a very good question. Very good question. So 
like any startup, we are just moving into trials and there is umpteen number of things to learn. And one of them is educating patients that they don't need to come and stand in a queue. They can go and register with their local pharmacy through our platform. And then we are also educating the pharmacists to use Facebook and Instagram to participate in some local community conversations to say, guys, Mr. Patel's pharmacy, um, uh, Mr. Singh's pharmacy, Khan pharmacy, they're all now available online. You can consume. So there is a, we are going on a journey and um, this is one of the challenges about educating people not to come to the pharmacy for many, many things, uh, but but to uh, use the online services. Um, we have a plan. We have, we, have, we have some launch activities and marketing material and all that stuff um, uh, being prepared. Uh, but it is a long journey to educate um, both pharmacy owners, pharmacists and local communities to bring that consumerism, which we all are. When we want to buy something, we easily go to amazon.co.uk. We go to google.com. But when we want our uh, prescriptions or pharmaceutical, I read a statistics that there is a survey done. uh, 40% of women in this country don't want to go to GP or pharmacist to discuss certain issues. But how great, they just go to internet to read and diagnose themselves. But now, at the privacy of their home, through a digital appointment booking, they can speak to somebody confidentially. Which is is a a massive plus, because I know for a fact that when people Google and try and diagnose themselves, they they frequently misdiagnose, and the internet is very scary. (laughs) And, and uh, there is nothing controlling, uh, whereas a pharmacist, the other statistics, we found that pharmacists in UK are only second to nurses in terms of most trusted profession. Mm. So imagine that woman who's not comfortable to go to GP or pharmacist, there is over 40% of them in this country, according to one of the surveys. They can book an appointment, speak to the most trusted person in a professional in this country, that is pharmacist after nurse, nurses, and get the best advice. Yeah. yeah because yeah, of our platform. So we we are massively a team of people, pharmacists, people from pharmacy background, people who own pharmacies, and technologists. We are coming together passionately, want to disrupt this independent local community pharmacy sector, bring them the digital tools. And our five-year vision includes massive proactive uh, uh, data and analytics technologies to play a major role in local communities' healthcare needs and reduce the burden on NHS. Well, look, it's it's a fantastic mission, and obviously there is a there is a problem there that needs solving. Uh, so, wish you all the very best. Fingers crossed that those uh, initial eleven trials go well, uh, and you do get towards that that number of a hundred uh, in that first financial year. But it's great to have you back on the show, Santosh, and thanks for your time. Thank you, David. Nice speaking to you. I'll be perfectly honest. The whole boots thing and flu jabs. Yep. When he, when he was talking to me about the fact that you know, do you think you can get a flu jab at the pharmacist? Yeah. Off the top of my head, I probably would have been like, oh, no. But thinking about it, if I go into a Boots, they do have those little rooms and stuff where yeah. you can go through someone. So I guess it's just – they. I do know that they do stuff like that. Mm. But, again, I would never think to go to a pharmacist 
and access those kind of services. Yeah, no, exactly. And and also the thing is, you you see them like when when I was listening to the interview, and then I thought back. There's actually one uh, for anyone that knows kind of Liverpool Street Station and the busiest boots i think in in probably the square mile um yep. they've actually got a few rooms there um and yeah. i've actually i've actually seen it so yeah it's crazy like, i i wouldn't i would just assume that any procedure so to speak you would need to go into you know the good old gp you know yeah what's your surname you know yeah date of birth sit down and you know you kind of everyone picks up the obligatory you know, brochures that are there for, for any other kind of disease or anything, you know, kind of condition, have a little read up for five minutes and wait for your name to be called. So it's like, yeah, I, I always, I always think of it as that, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. amazing how there's, there's, there's a, I'm sure that like doctors, surgeries, dentists and uh, opticians have like the vast majority of random back catalogue of magazines in the country. Mm. You're out of stuff that you pick up from like four years ago whilst waiting in a GP surgery and you're not entirely sure why it's there and then you end up reading it. Yeah, yeah, because there's nothing else to do and there's no phone signal there, is there? (laughs) There's no phone signal. And a lot of the time, especially when it comes to dentists and, you know, kind of other opticians, that sort of stuff, you are paying for it by the service, right? So it's like, right, I'm going to make sure I stay here for every minute that I need to stay here. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read, take a break from three years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, or um, Reader's Digest, whatever it is. <laughs> so I, I like the point that he says that um, pharmacists are the second most trusted profession after nurses. And that's true. You, I do think to go to the pharmacist and ask, for help or for information Mm. you walk in there Mm. there's a whole load of different packets and whatever else you go this is going on what would you recommend and you do you inherently trust pharmacists right yeah yeah which i don't really understand why because yeah i don't really get why but you do trust Mm. them in a way that you very rarely trust other professions so i suppose it makes sense that you would want a service that allows you to have a confidential conversation with those people. So when Santosh is talking about, we're very, you know, we're very happy to go on Amazon and to spend money on other platforms, but why wouldn't we therefore have an online platform where you can, you can get, get confidential information with confidence and avoid the minefield of self-diagnosis online. I have Mm. these symptoms. Do I have probably something terminal and terrible? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's kind of it begs it begs belief that we haven't made that leap from deciding that actually there should be more services built around this profession that we obviously hold in high regard, so that we can get extra information and access from it. Yeah, exactly. But also, I think at the same time, if if something like like the product and the service that Santosh is talking about and what they're trying to do, I think the negative, the the, the, the kind of knock on effect of that would be that a lot of small independent you know you you have the village pharmacy or the the local town pharmacy you know they i don't know if they make enough money or you know i don't know if they can also get on this platform and if they can't then what happens to them livelihoods are are cut yet again you know real estate is up for rent again and then you end up having you know a big supermarket kind of go in and open one of their small kind of metro stores or whatever so Mm. it's almost like the the kind of vicious circle isn't it um that I think, but I think now 
it just even even people like us who have been doing this podcast i mean we've got a lot of not that we and you say anything you know that's kind of too confidential stuff but we've got a lot of trust in these platforms we use stuff like zoom stuff like mm. you know microsoft teams squadcast whatever people's confidence in online video conversations online video platforms has increased tenfold right yeah. you know you've got people having job interviews you've got people you know doing all kinds of business via online streams now um and i think this is the the, the kind of next stage where people will have that confidence you know where you can actually be honest about your kind of conditions or you know symptoms or kind of what's going on because i think in the past it was always like well who else is watching who else is listening you know um yeah. and, and and if i think about if i think about kind of doctors and that sort of stuff where gps are having to do you know certain video consultations people's trust has always been okay, well, I can see one person, but who else is there? You know, am I being projected somewhere else? And especially when it comes to kind of, you know, um, uh, showing parts of your own kind of body and, and things like that. So I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think the confidence needs to come back and I think it will happen slowly. Um, but also it depends on the demographic that uses pharmacies as well. You know, he was mentioning his neighbor, um, 86 years old. Yeah, exactly. Who's got an iPad, but you know, would she want to have active, you know, communication online um, with the pharmacy? You know, some people have different, different stages of life where, you know, that can be seen as a social element as well. You know, if they can just pop out, go to the pharmacy, uh, get their kind of running biweekly medicine or whatever. And it's an opportunity for them to just stretch their legs, get out of the house, have some interaction. Sure. So, but at the, at the same time, you could equally say, well, it might be a struggle for that 86-year-old to get to the pharmacy. Mm. Having access to those services at home makes them more accessible, makes it easier, yeah. less friction. Also, there is the point that he makes that, you know, fewer people will want to stand in queues. Fewer people will want to go to environments where they might be more exposed to various different um bacteria or whatever potentially because obviously going into a doctor's well you're probably surrounded by people that do have things that's the whole point people are at doctors because they don't feel well um yep. so you know minimizing that risk yeah is, yeah is a good thing and that's how people are beginning to think right 100 percent, 100 percent. and also people like you know people people that would just worry about little things and you know effectively not wasting the nhs's time or, or wasting kind of you know hospital time um you know a lot of things can maybe be diagnosed and and, and picked up quicker um yeah you know, look, that is one that is one massive that's the main about, thing yeah about these digital services and yeah. you know um I, Santosh talks, we'll come back to this in, in, in a second because it is more relevant to Chirac in particular, but digital isn't just about having a website, it's about accessibility. Hmm. Um, and if you think about healthcare as a whole, it can take you like three, four weeks to get an appointment with a GP at the minute in person, or pre-pandemic rather, hmm. by which stage, you know, you, you, you try and book a doctor's appointment because you're not feeling great. By the time hmm. the appointment comes around, you might feel all right again. And it's yeah. like, well... This makes no sense. Whereas actually with the, with a virtual service, you can have um, a much quicker conversation and go, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. And then you can still remember all the symptoms and get everything out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think there is this really interesting point that applies as well to the wider um, economy and trends within digital uh, and, 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 and businesses in that we've spoken a lot about the acceleration, you know, the, the COVID hasn't 
changed fundamentally digitalization, but it has accelerated it massively. And uh, the independent pharmacies that are talked that are talked about in this podcast, the eight thousand of them, are probably very indicative of small to medium sized enterprises who've not felt the need to be online now, but really have to provide services online to survive in in the new world. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a brilliant, I suppose, um, it's a brilliant sample for what's going on in business much more broadly across the country where where all sorts of sectors and, and services are having to look at how they how they reach out and make sure that customers are able to access them anytime, anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And I think that a large part of that is also the government, right? With enforcing new rules, enforcing, you know, kind of social distancing measures, that sort of stuff. They can't have everyone come in, you know, as as and when they can't do certain things. Um yeah. you know, so they have to now play, you know, by by the rules and, and that, you know, automatically just shifts a massive momentum into the hands of digitization, into the hands of technology, where all things that you could have done in person, you can do um you know, via kind of your your technology um, and, and the kind of items that everyone has, phone, laptop, mobile, whatever, tablet. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great idea and, and hope it hope it all goes well for Santosh, um, being our longtime friend of the of the show. Absolutely. Look, Santosh, thanks for coming on. Uh, obviously, that aim of getting 100 um, businesses on the platform by next year uh is ambitious but i think at the same time it sounds totally realistic and and plausible so good luck in achieving that thanks for coming back on the show and uh yeah we'll take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be talking television Television, is it? Mm, television. UK broadcasters outbid and forced to innovate amid show, uh, shortage of shows. So this is the news that streaming services such as Netflix are taking advantage of the COVID production shutdown. So basically, traditional broadcasters, if we're thinking ITV, Channel 4, I've got hit with a double whammy that there's a lack of content around because stuff hasn't been made. They've seen a significant drop in their revenues because advertisers have pulled back. So there's less to go around and they've got less money to buy it with and all the good stuff, the streaming mm-hmm. services, Disney Pluses and the like, are snapping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're struggling to know what to fill their schedules with. Hmm. Well, bit of a tricky one. Yeah, it is, it is. But also, it, it does just make me think then, you know, when you have stuff like when when you have the good things on on terrestrial TV, uh, some you know some series that I like stuff like Luther, the the Bodyguard, you know stuff like that, Line of Duty, all these sorts of things, make more. You know, just if if you have them, just make more, and maybe you could just space them out and stuff. So, and and that could help. But more know, Idris Elba, more Idris Elba, yeah, more Idris Elba, more British crime dramas. Um, is is my another series of Midsummer Murders? Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's, 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 it's such a hard one because I mean, I, to, to be honest, last night, um, and and this is evident. I, I was kind of scrolling through TV, nothing on, nothing on, nothing on. Went on Netflix, and suddenly, boom! It's just like a whole. It's like a library, isn't it? Of just shows you know documentaries whatever you want really um no i i love netflix but there is something yeah. to be said for the fact that the traditional broadcasters have a little bit more independence like you know 
Channel 4, I really value Channel 4 for its news coverage. The BBC creates some fantastic stuff like the BBC Earth hmm. um, Department, the documentaries that they've made for years. I know, yeah. I know Netflix are beginning to do that, but, you know, it's dangerous to have one or two streaming services basically having a monopoly hmm. on everything that we watch. Um, I think I think if ICB and Channel 4 are struggling and the traditional broadcasters are struggling, that's only bad news for the BBC. BBC, yep. we already know, is under attack. Um, the article here states that the average BBC One viewer is in their 60s, but I think it's important that we continue to have those services and the traditional broadcasters if we're going to get a fairly balanced view of the world yeah don't forget netflix only several years ago signed adam sandler for a multi-movie deal simply because the algorithm determined that his movies were um the most watched and not because they were the best just because <laughs> people clicked on them a lot and it's like great you know yeah. i actually I, I rate adam sandler in some films but i think it's quite funny yeah it's absolute dross <laughs> uh so i just i just think i, wor- I worry that with algorithms etc and i'm this is not me having to go at tech obviously this is a tech podcast i love it but you end yeah. up with with middle of the road dross that doesn't turn people off but isn't exactly pushing boundaries mm. and netflix has made some amazing stuff mm. but it's probably made amazing stuff in the past because it's trying to get attention. So it needed Stranger Things and House of Cards and stuff to get viewers. Yeah. If it then has everyone, is it just going to churn out a whole load of Designated Survivor, which is, to be perfectly frank, rubbish? I quite like Designated Survivor. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good, light-hearted TV. Um, rubbish, it's, mate. It's, it's, it's all right. It's, it's, you, know, you probably I, like suits, don't you? I, I do like suits, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, I do like suits. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there you go. There's where we're a bit different. But House of Cards, yeah, absolutely love it. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think personally, TV companies need to have a strong, you know, kind of look into their kind of strategy into their platform. I think they've had it off last few years where there's not been that much Netflix. Um, and they've just kind of, you know, uh, I, I guess everything, even stuff like live sport, you know, has, has been given to, to to places, you know, like your skies or pay-per-view channels, that sort of stuff, where I think yeah. now, I think the terrestrial channels need to take some responsibility because there's a lot of people at home. I mean, you look at the shielding element of it, where the government suddenly at any one point, they could say everyone over the age of, you know, what did you mention? 60 there? Um, that the average oh, the BBC, BBC, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so so if if you've got a, a demographic of sixty to seventy year olds all in shielding mode, can't get out of the house, don't necessarily have Sky or BT, whatever, uh, you know, what are they going to do? You you you'll just then fall into the the, the the kind of you know the other category of of just loneliness, depression, that sort of stuff. So mm. they need to make sure that they are are moving with times, um, and also these massive players should start working together. I mean, we've yeah. been talking about collaboration. We talk about businesses. Um, you know, who, who are we talking to? Uh, kind of, you know, Ian Watt a few weeks ago, where he was mentioning kind of how the culture has changed. Yeah, exactly. So, these massive organisations—Netflix, Amazon Prime, BBC, whatever—they just need to get. To your on. point about sport, though, Keish, like you, mm. you think about the Premier League when it was all Sky. Is that necessarily healthy for broadcast now that it's Sky? and bt and amazon amazon yeah. is that going to push the standard of broadcasting because they're all competing mm. um 
I don't know. Yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's, it, it would be a shame. I think it would be actually to Netflix's detriment as well in the long run if they didn't have to compete with each other for people's attention, if there weren't good programs, like you mentioned, kind of body. I haven't seen Bodyguard, but if you, you know, you, oh. I, I loved, I loved um, His Dark Materials because I'm a massive geek. Yeah. Um, but if there's good programs on different channels, then it, mm. it forces them to, to kind of stay sharp and fresh and creating good shows. Yeah, exactly. And also it helps us as a consumer to have, you know, good kind of variety good quality um but what we don't need is another four or five netflix amazon primes to pop up because then our monthly subscription costs will just (laughs) just go through the roof i mean at the moment you know people are paying for you know amazon netflix youtube disney premium disney plus sky it's it's ridiculous you know um and, and when yeah. you actually add them up at the end of the month, you think, blimey, you know, that's a, it's a substantial amount. Um, so, yeah, but we're, so we don't need more subscription networks. We, we just need the, the content and quality uh, to improve. Quality content. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, right. thanks for joining me. No um, problem, Dave. No problem. Uh, you, you go enjoy suits, eh? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be back with you on Friday. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs>